Welcome to the Joe Schmo Theology Podcast, where we discuss confessions. I ain't confessing nothing! Reformed theology. I don't know what either of those words mean. And apologetics. I am not apologizing for anything either. I am your host, Adam D. Murray, and joined with me today on this program is my brother, Aaron D. Murray. And this is episode six of Joe Schmo Theology. We're just two dummies talking about smart things. That's right. That's What's right. up, Adam? How you been? I'm doing all right. How, yeah. How's your week going? I have like literally nothing to report. Shocker. I know. I seriously, it's the same old, same old. Maybe someday I'll have some exciting news. Um, no, work is picking up quite a bit. Oh, good. Tell me about work. Yeah, That's so exciting. It's picking up quite a bit. Mm. Um, outside of that. I haven't done anything special. Found a place to play basketball at night rather than six in the morning, Ooh, so that's helpful. That's fun. Uh, so that went to a wedding. Mm-hmm. Went to our, our cousin got married uh, on Saturday, so that was a beautiful good time, wedding. Good time with family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to spend some time in the van together and um, go to dinner afterwards. So that was good. Yeah, yeah. nothing. Nothing. How's your week? Uh, that's okay. Um, I got something good and something bad. Oh yeah. I'll tell you the bad first. Yeah. Okay, the bad. It's my AC unit to my house is busted. I have noticed. So my house is uh, hotter than Hades. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I found out, I thought maybe there was like some busted vents or pipes underneath the, in the crawl space. So I called down there. They all looked good. Going in the crawl space is never fun. It's disgusting. You didn't know you had a crawl space? I do. Um, and there's spider webs there. They know it. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure I had a homeless guy in there once. Yeah, but that was just me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's actually the uh, unit itself. There's a leak in the Freon hose, mm. so I went out and looked at it, and it looked like Mr. Freeze. I shot it with his freeze gun because mm. it was just caked in ice. So I have to fix that. It's cold as ice. Cold as ice. But um, the good thing, I found out the gender of my child. Yeah. Yeah. There were there were one of fifty two genders. Right. And I thought it was like 630. I, dude, I, it's hard to keep track. Yeah. Um, yeah. No? She's like a binary, <laughs> whatever. I, I don't know. So she's, uh, Mary is 13 weeks pregnant, and we had the first ultrasound today. And so I asked, will we be able to tell the gender? And she's like, well, no, you probably you have to wait for until week 20, generally, to find out. And so she's she's <laughs> looking at looking at the baby and everything. And she's like, oh, my goodness. It looks like he has three legs. <laughs> oh. So it's uh, not my uh, words, her words. Okay. We're having, we're having another little baby boy. All right. Which, awesome. Yeah, which I'm excited about. You're the first. Actually, you're the third person to know. Oh. Sorry. We're, hey, we're moving up the ladder. You're, you're moving. the last to know that you were pregnant. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. cool. Do you want to know the name? Yeah. I'll tell you the name. Will you? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Podcast? Yeah. Why not? Because last time it was a big secret. You were No, it wasn't. Yeah. I told everyone. No. Yes. Uh-uh. You guys were holding it close to your chest. I know you what you're talking about. You weren't letting your cards show at all. Dude. I didn't know the name until like... Olivia got so mad at me because I picked the same name she wanted. Yeah, but that was like after three months of asking. Okay. She's like two and a half months pregnant. Whatever. So we didn't even find out the gender till like three That's months. That's not what I was... What's the name? Yeah. Geez. Is it Adam? No. Oh. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I just thought it. It's uh, Dominic Sanders Murray. Dominic, Dominic Sanders, Sanders. Murray. It's, it's pretty awesome. You guys going for the D name? Not really. It just kind of, we both like the name. 
Dominic. Des and Dom. Des and Dom, exactly. That's awesome. It's dope. So it. so this is this is Dominic. His um, all three names. These are what they mean. Okay. So um, of the Lord, defender of men, protector of the sea. Whoa. So if you've got all three names and their meanings, that's that's what his name it's means. It's gonna be like the next great apologist. It's it's pretty awesome. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Whereas Desmond's is like uh, uh, what was his? I looked it up today. It's but you e- didn't know beforehand. No, 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 I knew what it was, but I was getting all three together. So so it's Desmond means east of Winchester. Um, <laughs> good start. Carver of wood, <laughs> mm. defender of the sea. Mm. So not quite as epic. Mm. But that, that, there, there's that. Yeah, for I you. didn't quite put as much thought so, into the first kid. No, first kid's I just a practice kid anyway. It doesn't. You know, to be it. honest, I didn't put any thought into the second kid either. Mary pretty much picked the names, and I was like, "Yeah, Did okay. she know the meaning beforehand." No, no, you guys just like lucked into that. Yeah, we just lucked into it. So oh, Sanders, Sanders is a family name on her side. I don't know who, um, and she just liked the name Dominic. So I looked up the name Dominic today. And I was like, "Oh, that's a cool name." Yeah. So, so of the Lord. Traditionally, it was given if babies were born on Sundays. Hmm. So, so we're hoping. Well, so he his due date is February fifteenth, which um, is a Friday. Th- which is uh, nope. I don't know. It's the day after Valentine's Day, right? So I hope he's born on Valentine's Day, so I can tell everyone I can't celebrate Valentine's Day. I have, it's my son's birthday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I hate Valentine's Day, guys. I think it's a joke and a Why waste do you hate of money. It? No, well, no, that's all I need to say. I don't need. It's I, a waste of money. It's a waste of money. Yeah, that's the only reason. That's one of the reasons. Okay. Why I'm else? Curious I hate what your it? other reasons would be. Um, it's just stupid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, what else do I need? Fair enough. All right, we'll leave it at that. I'm the only one brave enough to say it's stupid. No, you're not the only one brave enough. Say it's stupid. Stupid. There you go. Stupid. Don't. I'll still do it. Yeah, you're still gonna do yeah, it. Yeah. Because. But cause, it's stupid. Because you're do it. stupid. No. No, because yeah. they care about Hannah, so... Well, this, this, this is what I said to Mary. This is, like, our fourth date. And I told her, I'm not into Valentine's Day. Is that going to be an issue? Hmm. Like, I'm going to love you every day. Every week. day. Why do we need a special day? We don't day? need a special day. Exactly. Forget that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. We're getting into Suba. <laughs> we can start talking about Christmas. And <laughs> oh, we'll get there. Dude, I found some sweet memes <laughs> on the regular principal and Christmas that I'm saving. I've got them saved in my phone. Uh, are we talking about that tonight? We actually are talking about uh-huh. the regular principal. I want you to know that smooth, smooth segue <laughs> that I just took in. It's pretty special. All right. So we're talking about... The regular principal of worship. All right. So briefly, how would you... Define. Well, didn't you want to say something? Oh yeah, uh, I did. Last, I last did. Cast. So so last cast on evangelism. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, no problem. Um, I, I thought it was you know it's a good cast. I really enjoyed doing it. But I said something that I think required a little bit more nuance. Towards the end of the cast, I said something to the effect of people do not evangelize because they are lazy, and I think that needs to be nuanced a little bit. While I do hold to the fact that I think laziness can play a part in our lack of evangelism. It is not the whole part. So I do not want to put any unnecessary, any undue guilt on anybody's conscience about evangelizing because I understand that everyone is gifted differently. And we didn't we didn't talk about this as much as I hoped we would, but evangelism is not just, you know, street outreach or right. street preaching. Right. Evangelism is very organic in the workplace with the family, it's at life school, on life. life on life. And yeah. I and I think I wish we would have talked about that a little bit more. So if anybody heard that um, and was offended by it, I was too, <laughs> which is which is why I want to say that and just just clear that sure. up. Sure. And we're not backpedaling. We're not trying to give you an out and say don't feel bad if you're not doing evangelism. Oh, you should feel um, bad. And and and, <laughs> and I 
and I'm as guilty as the next person of um, missing opportunities and not pursuing things and um, being lazy about it. But that's just not the only element to it. Right. There's there's um, there's fear that can play in and a lot of different things. But um, the call is to go make disciples, and there is that responsibility for all of us. So um, we're not making excuses. We're making apologies for phrasing it poorly. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. for for being Joe Schmo theologians. That's right, as, as it were. That's our out. That's our dude. That's our out for everything. <laughs> out, I, I love it. Jail free People are like, dude, I can't believe yeah, you're so, we're guys. Done. We're just Joe Schmo theologians. We, we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, particularly this week, I feel like this is an area um, of great depth. There's a lot. Um, there's a lot that's been written mm-hmm. on the relative principle and. Um, I was talking with somebody about it yesterday, last evening, and uh, I was kind of like, yeah, I feel like I've only scratched the surface. You know, you can kind of smell. It's like a scratch and sniff. You can just kind of smell the aroma of what it is. But and it smells in, good. But in this case, I kind of feel like that blonde in that joke where the scratch and sniff is at the bottom of the pool because I really do feel like I'm drowning in it. No offense um, to blondes. Yeah. Mm, whatever. I'm, I'm blonde. Yeah. Yeah. I'm but this is, this is a very deep, very heavy topic. Um, and like I said, we're just two we're just two dummies talking about smart things. Yeah. So. Um, so we're gonna get the juices flowing for you. We'll, we'll get the juices flowing. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll cultivate an interest for you to study on your own. Um, and then if we say something that that you disagree with, again, like well, lines of communication are open. Send us an email. Post something on our Facebook page. Uh, we're all ears. Yes. Uh, we're all about having this discussion. Absolutely. So regular principle. How would you define that or describe that? Uh, the regular principle. Um, being within the confines of corporate worship um, would say that whatever is prescribed in Scripture um, is required in Scripture. Mm -hmm. So you only worship in the way that God has prescribed, and whatever is not prescribed, you stay away from. Right. So that is in contrast to the normative principle, which says if God doesn't expressly forbid it, um, and as long as it's not sin, um, it's permissible in worship. Right, so your aim is uh, we want to glorify God in this, but you do it in a way that's not prescribed in right. Scripture. Um, so that would be the idea of the normative principle. There are other schools of thought as well that I don't know how to get into. Like the regulative principle is applied in a lot of different ways. There's a Puritan form and other forms, and then um, there are other systems out there other than the normative principle. But those are the big two that we see um, in, in American society. Really, most of America is yeah. normative, but... Um, yeah, yeah. we we want to change that. Yeah, and we don't we don't say that arrogantly. We say that this is this is what we see Scripture saying, and hopefully we will convince you of that. Sure, hopefully. Sure. So uh, talking about the regular principle, where where is a good place to start? Uh, creation. Creation. Yeah. Yeah. So what about creation? Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the creator and uh, sustainer of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, as the creator, he has authority over his creation and therefore has the right to be worshipped in any way that he deems um, that he wants to be. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Potter's freedom, sort of. So I think even uh, Romans 9 is applicable to this in that um, God is the potter, we are the clay. Right. Uh, we, we do what the potter wants us to do, yeah. cre- creates us to do. Yeah. Right. And so we are all created as worshipers. Yeah. Um, and obviously sin taints that. And even within the regular principle, there still is sin. And I think we'll, we'll probably talk sure. about that a little yeah. bit um, here in a bit. But it's just, it's really important that we know that um, God has the authority to tell us how he wants to be worshipped. Absolutely. Um, and this is, this, this may be somewhat controversial to say, um, and that's okay, because I think it'll maybe open up some communication and, and some discussion. Um, but I think within Christianity... Discussing the doctrine of worship is 
just as, if not more important than discussing justification. And I say that because justification is a means to an end, whereas worship is the end itself. So, and again, that's probably people like, I don't know about that, Aaron. And that's okay. Like, let's, let's talk about it and think about it. Um, but we're all, we, are, we are all created as worshipers. Yeah. Christ saves us to glorify himself and for us to worship him. Right. So how we worship really matters. Yeah. And if you, re- I mean, if you just read through scripture, you'll see that I don't think there's anything that um, is more important to God than his worship. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's his church and he is the head of it. Um, so who are we to say, well, I want to worship you in any way that I decide I want to, you know? <laughs> so, well, and that's what happens, right? unfortunately. Right. And that's what happens. So I think, um, and I apologize about the cicadas. We're outside because my house is very hot. Because <laughs> uh, I have no AC. That's right. Uh, pray for me. <laughs> pray for my pregnant wife. Um, so let's, uh, Ten Commandments are a good place to, to hang out in a little bit. So okay. in, in Exodus 20, after God has brought Moses and um, the Israelites um, out of Egypt, he gives them those Ten Commandments. And the first four are our interactions with God. Mm-hmm. And then the last six are our interactions with one another. Right. Um, so we see in the first commandment that God is the only God. Right. The second commandment says, you know, we talk a lot about images and um, people use this to discuss whether we should have images of Jesus or not. And that we can say that for another time. The answer is no. We can say that for another time. I would disagree. I know you that's would. Cool. That's, that's cool, man. You're okay. Yeah. Um, but primarily, the second commandment is about worship. Um, so it's, it's, it's just a good one to study. Now, I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time on it because we've got a lot to cover. Sure. But I, I would definitely point people to, to the second commandment, the third commandment, the fourth commandment when it comes to the worship of God. Absolutely. Right. So as we move on, after God has given Moses the Ten Commandments, um, pretty much the last 20 chapters of Exodus are all about... Um, God telling Moses how he wants the tabernacle um, and, and the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat constructed um, down to the jot and tittle, the measurements, the colors, the pictures, things like that. So as you read through um, Exodus 21 through 40, I mean, you've got Exodus 32, which is the golden calf. So there's a little um, break in the narrative, but it's all about how precise God wants the tabernacle to be. And the tabernacle is primarily where the people come to worship God. Right. It's where the sacrifices take place. It's where the incense is burned. It's where um, it, it's it's the hub of Israel, yeah. right? Um, so in that, even in the um, construction of that, God gives two particular people gifts um, and, and measurements and XYZ PDQ um, to construct this. So he gives Bezalel, the son of Ur, and uh, what's the other guy's name? I can't remember the other guy's name. Ohalab, the son of uh, Ish- Ishmash. Nailed it. Ishmash. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, I did. It's cool. It's cool. Um, it. But he basically appoints those two guys to do all the carpentry, all the gem work, all the metal work, everything. And then he gives them, he says, look, pick these guys too. But you're primarily working under the inspiration of these two men. So these two men were inspired in the creation of the tabernacle and the mercy seat. Um, and then as you uh, continue to go down, and this is all really fresh in my head because we just we just finished Exodus and uh, family worship. So we just read Exodus 40 yesterday, 
and it, it's basically just going over the last 20 chapters of everything that God told him to do. You know, construct the ark like this, put rings here, make the poles out of this way. When you carry the ark, carry it this way. The priests are to do this. The priests are to look like this. But every time, so Moses is, is going through and he says, so we did all this as the Lord commanded. We did this as the Lord commanded. So it's a 38-verse chapter, and the phrase, as the Lord commanded, appears nine times. So to a jot and a tittle, Moses and these two other men are following it completely. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. No, yeah. No, cool. I just, I'm cool, just, bro. I'm just listening. I mean, and it, <laughs> and it carries on into into Deuteronomy. Yep. Um, you know, God is giving instructions on how he's supposed to be worshipped. In 4.2, he says, You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, mm-hmm. that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I commanded you. And, uh, you know, later in, in, in verse 12. Um, chapter 12? Chapter 12. Yep. 28. I mean, it, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, I read through this a couple months ago. He was summing up. Well, I have it right here. If yeah. You want to read it. Uh, yeah. Contextually, I mean, um, I think he was summing up how he was wanting to be worshipped um, by the by by Israel. Um, he says, "Be careful to obey all these words that I commanded you, that it may go well with you, and with you, you and your children after you forever, when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God." When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you are not ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? That I also may do the same. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods, for they have even burned their sons and daughters with fire to their gods. Everything that I command you, you shall carefully do. You shall not add to it or take from it. So there's a command there. When you're going into this land, don't worship me in any old fashion. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know that this nation is worshiping their gods a certain way, and that's not how I want to be worshipped. You are to worship me according to the way that I have, have prescribed in the previous verses. You shouldn't add anything. You shouldn't take anything away from it. Do it exactly how I say. Yeah, so uh, just two things on that. Even this right here, we see that the Israelites have already broken that. You know, right after God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, Moses comes down from the mountain from being there for 40 days. What does he find? He finds the people in complete idolatry, you know, with the golden calf and all that stuff. And the golden calf, people argue about, okay, are these worshiping the Lord Yahweh? Are they worshiping other gods, false gods? But if you read it, and this is Exodus 32, so I encourage you to do it. It says, and these are the gods. So they have it in plural. Um, but the Lord, Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton, um, who brought you out of Egypt. Okay. Just could be casually slip that word in there. I listen, the to, I listen to James White. I'm just saying. Like I said, I'm, I'm not a super smart guy. I listen to smart people. There That's all. Right, all right, all right. That's all. Okay. So it, I think it's pretty obvious that they are attributing um, the idol worship to Yahweh. Right. They are worshiping Yahweh through an image. Right. Um, clearly spelled out in the Ten not to do. But yeah, they're worshiping God through uh, through an image, through a means that they've seen other nations worship their right. false so, gods. Right. So they are very much worshiping Yahweh like the Egyptians worshiped their gods. Right. right. So they're, they're worshiping the way their culture worships. Mm-hmm. And it's disgusting to the Lord. And Moses freaks out and he melts the calf down. He throws it in the river and he makes the people drink it. Yeah. It's Which like, is awesome. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's expensive urine. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so there's that. And then as I was uh, reading this, it kind of made me think about dad and how mm. I think he is 
whether he knows it or not, he is a regular principal guy. He's actually he would hold them over to principal. We love him to death, and he listens to this. So hi, Dad. We love you to death. But remember, he'd always tell us when we clean the kitchen or we clean the church or whatever we did, say, and we'd do something <laughs> extra or do something less. He'd go, "That's not what I told you to do. I want you to do what I told you. Nothing more, nothing less." And then we were super confused by that because our mom was constantly go like, "See a task, do it before you're asked. That's mm-hmm. what initiative is." So, but I think it, reports we, we've kind of had the regular principle burned into us. Here at the end, it says, "You should be careful to do." Everything that I command you, you shall not add to it or take away from it. Do a, nothing more, nothing less. What a terrible attempt at a parallel. Uh, it's, not, it's a great attempt. What are you talking about? It has nothing about? to do with corporate okay, worship. Okay, it doesn't have anything to do with corporate worship, but the point is that the principle's there. Nothing more, nothing... Okay, all right. Yes, okay, the principle's there. Congratulations. All right, okay. So I, I think we've, we've established um, a decent case for the regular principle. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should talk about some examples of people in the Old Testament breaking that. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I you know, why not start with the first one? Yeah. Well, second well, one. Yeah. <laughs> Cain and Abel? Yeah, the first one would be Adam and Eve, but, but the second one is Cain and Abel. So, this in Genesis 4, and I'm sure pretty much everyone is familiar with this, where Abel offers up um, the um, firstborn of his flock, and Cain offers up his first fruits. And God accepts Abel's and not Cain's. And Cain gets very upset, and then he ends up um, murdering Abel. So that's, that's a whole story. But why do you think God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? Um, I think it's because his heart was right before the Lord. Um, that Abel's have, heart? Was, Abel's heart, yep. yeah. I'd have to go look at the, the wording on it. In fact, I should probably do that. Um, but wasn't his command um, something about sacrificing it with joy, the first fruits kind of thing? Um, I don't know. Why don't you just tell me? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think you're right that it's definitely a heart issue. Um, but I think it's more than that. And this is somewhat uh, conjuncture, but I think it's I think it's accurate conjuncture. When you see, like, at this time, they didn't have the inspired word of God, right? What, what they had was word of mouth kind of thing. Um and when you see Adam and Eve sin, God kills an animal, he sheds blood, and he covers them, right? Symbolic of covering their sin. Um, so, so you see that without the remission of sins, I think it's in Hebrews, there is no forgiveness. Or, 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 about that. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, right? So when you offer up a sacrifice, you are offering up, offering up worship to God. And Abel's sacrifice, there was a spilling of blood. Cain's there was not and I mean we'll see later on in in the um, uh, Old Testament that there are fruit offerings and things like that but God hasn't prescribed that yet yeah see but that's what I struggle with because where had he prescribed the the spilling of blood I mean he shed the blood of the um, whatever animal it was to atone for Adam and Eve's sin yeah Um, so that was like a foreshadowing I think but um, I think he was setting an example. I think it's more than a foreshadowing. I think it's an example of how he wants things to be done. And as you continue to go throughout the Old Testament, you see God saying, "Offer a sacrifice, offer sacrifice, offer sacrifice." And Moses didn't write this until after they were out of Egypt. Yeah. So you you absolutely have the word of mouth thing. You have the example of their parents and where the parents get it from. You keep going back to their parents, to their parents, and to God, right. to the garden. So that's that's my theory. Um, I throw it out to people that consider it. Um, Hopefully you don't reject it. Hope consider it at least. Yeah, I'm not even completely sold on that. Yeah, I know you're not. But 
I, I can I can see that. It's just not like it's not a prescriptive thing for me. To, so to what? See well, what other reason would him. would there be for God accepting Abel's and not Cain's? I don't know. Just his uh, heart before the Lord wasn't right. Um, you know, could be begrudgingly he offered up these sacrifices. I don't, I don't know. Do you honestly. see that though? No, I mean it's just too. as much as conjecture as the as the other one. Yeah. So I I would I don't know. I would lean towards towards your theory on that. I just don't know if we can draw that necessary conclusion. I don't know. I'm it, I mean it's I it, it's open for debate. I think. Yeah, maybe. Um, what is not <laughs> open for debate are two little fellows I like to call Nadab and Abihu. And Abihu. So Nadab and Abihu, they are two sons of Aaron. And your kids, Nadab and Abihu. Yeah, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> like, do you know who Why don't you name after? your kid Hitler? Don't do that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nadab and Abihu, what happened to those two clowns? They died. How? Well, come on, give me more. They died. They died, man. Tell me how. You Why? Tell me how. They they um they offered a sacrifice to the Lord that was considered strange fire. They took a role that wasn't their own. Um, it was the priest's job to offer, offer sacrifices. Well, they were sacrifices. The or they were priests. They had Ebon who were priests. Were they priests? They were priests. They were sons of Aaron. Um, they even go up to a certain um, point with Aaron and Moses as Moses goes up the mountain to um, receive the Ten Commandments from God. So mm-hmm. uh, Probably should have prepped for that. No, that's cool. That's why we're talking. We're Josh Mills. Right, right. Um, but in even Aaron, they took his censer and put fire on it and laid incense on it before the uh, as an offering, unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Right. So the, the point is, you've got Nadab and Abihu offering up a sacrifice to God, which he did not command be offered up. Right. So um, and and God timing. rejects it. <laughs> poor, poor timing, and it's not even the the right elements. Right. So, um, this is not to say that if we are offering up worship to God that he does not require that everyone is going to be burned a, a crisp, but what it is saying is that's deserved, and God would be just in doing that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Nadab and Abihu. Also, uh, Korah's Rebellion. Are you familiar with Korah's Rebellion? Not particularly. Okay, Weren't so, they swallowed by the ground? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you've got Korah and 250 other dudes. This is found in number 16. And they basically get really frustrated that the only people who can directly speak to God are Moses and Aaron as, as the high priest. So they're all upset about it. So they basically march up to Moses and go, what's the deal, man? Why is it that you two get to do this, but we don't? We think we should be able to as well. And so Moses starts lamenting. He starts praying. And he says, okay, look, this is what we're going to do. Let's um, let's." offer up some some fire to god or some type of incense or something and whichever god accepts uh, we know that that is god's chosen people so eventually you know they they do that the next day Um, god obviously accepts moses and aaron because that's what he said he's going to do and that's how he's chosen to um, communicate with people and he says moses tell everyone who's around Korah and his peeps to get out of dodge because i'm opening up the ground and i'm swallowing whole and that's what he does so when uh, people are in rebellion against God and they want to approach him the way they think they should be able to approach him, God says, no, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, let's move on uh, a couple hundred years, unless you have anything else no, to talk about. No, you talk about Samuel or Saul? Right, why don't you talk about Saul? Okay. Um, yeah, so, so Samuel, the prophet Samuel instructed Saul to go down before him to Gilgal 
he appointed a time and said, I'm going to come meet with you, wait for me, then we'll, we'll do this sacrifice um, before the Lord, a peace offering, all that stuff. Um, and Saul got there, and he was waiting, and Samuel didn't show up. Mm-hmm. And he was waiting, he's like, ah, Samuel's still not here. Um, the people that were around, around Saul were starting to scatter a little bit. He started to get a little antsy. Saul the Philistines had gathered. He's like, ah, oh, I haven't sought favor before the Lord. So he's like, just give me the stuff. I'm going to go do the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did. Samuel showed up and goes, what have you done? You should have waited for me. This is the time that was appointed. Um, and, and Saul was condemned for doing that. He said, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord for your God, or the Lord your God. Uh, with which he commanded you for then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever but now your kingdom shall not continue the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you so because Saul was impatient he wasn't trusting he wasn't waiting he wasn't acting in accordance with uh, the instructions he was given he actually lost his throne to David um, because he had acted foolishly in that way right so You've got this guy breaking the uh, regular principle, and God responds with punishment. Right. Right. Uh, and then we can talk about Uzziah. Um, so he, this is in uh, 2 Samuel um, chapter 6. And so David has um, fought the Philistines, and he's um, bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. I don't think it was to Jerusalem at that time, because David didn't conquer Jerusalem. It was until Samuel, or uh, Solomon. Uh, but anyways, he's transporting the Ark of the Covenant um to another location and instead of transporting it the way that God had commanded them to transport it back in Exodus they put it on a cart mm-hmm. so the cart's bouncing up and down you've got one guy who's driving it and then Uzzah is sitting on the back and then they go over a bump Uzzah sees that the ark's about to fall out and he puts his hand on it to try and steady it and God kills him instantly I think we should clarify that his name is Uzziah Uzziah? <laughs> you're saying Uzzah? Uzi? Uzziah? Uzziah. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Where do you see an I? Uh, right after the two Zs. U-Z-Z-A. Well, maybe I just misspelled it then. Yeah, maybe you did. Okay. <laughs> well, that's just unkind of you. It's okay. It's all right. Throw so, me under the bus like that. I just like didn't want people to be confused. Like, oh, I've never read that story about Uzza before. <laughs> <laughs> O-O-Z-A. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uzziah <laughs> puts his hand out and God strikes him dead. And so David gets really upset about that. But then we learn later on in 1 Chronicles 15 where David's kind of recounting the story. And he says the reason that God killed him is because we did not follow the Lord's command. We did not transport it the way he commanded us to transport it. What passage were you looking at there? Uh, which one? Uh, with Uzziah. Uh, the Second Samuel one? Yeah, was that what it was? Second Samuel 6 is the first account. Hmm. I have First Samuel in here i'm not seeing second same i'm in a book not the bible all right let me see the bible yeah because i was looking at a different passage with you so maybe that's what it was maybe you were right i don't know yeah that's what i'm saying all right maybe, now i gotta now i gotta look right. at it okay it's spelled u-z-z-a-h okay all right maybe i was wrong Uza. oh here it is first chronicles 13 Uza. Uh, yep yep yeah, first chronicles 15 it talks about Uza as well Okay. But so there's that. I was looking at Second Chronicles 26. But well, there's your problem. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there is a King Uzziah. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Um, he got in trouble too. He got in trouble anyway, too. So, so the point is, you've got people doing what they want to do, what's more convenient, what's faster, um, 
and not what God tells him to do. Right. And so you've got God responding in punishment. Right. So, and, and I think it's noteworthy that in most cases, these people didn't think they were doing anything wrong. Saul thought he sure. was doing the right thing by seeking the favor of the Lord. Um, Nadab and Abihu, I think they thought they were doing the right thing by offering a sacrifice before the Lord. Um, Cain was a farmer, so they thought he was doing the right thing. Yeah, <clears throat> maybe. Who knows? But, you know, like in most cases, I think that the intentions aren't necessarily bad. Um, but but anytime you're disobeying clear instructions from the Lord, um, you know, disobedience reaps condemnation. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it is. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just goes back to God having authority to, to prescribe how he wants to be worshipped. Right. So. right. Uh, you want to play a game? Uh, sure. Why not? Okay. All right. This isn't really a game. Oh, man. So We're like three weeks in a row without a real game. No. Quizzes the quizzes, okay, this isn't a quiz or trivia. Okay. Okay, right. this is... I mean, I think it'll be fun. All right, let's try I want you to cast the Avengers with pastors. What? Past or present. What? Yeah. I don't even think I can name all so, the Avengers. Okay. Let's just go with the uh, the top ones. Let's just go with Iron Man, okay. Hulk, uh, Captain America, and... Um, um, dang it. Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America, Hawkeye, Thor. Thor, let's just go with that. Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, and um, Thor. Man, you really okay. should have given me a heads up that's on this. That's four. That's, that's four people. Come on. All right, let's take them one at a time. Right. Iron Man. Go with Iron Man. Joe Thorne. Joe Thorne, why? Because he's hilarious and Iron Man's funny. Um, they both have beards. Wow. They're, okay. Yeah. All right. Joe Thorne's Iron Man. Yep. Um, Captain America. Yep. Captain America, he's old school. He's kind of kind of stuck in his tradition and ways. We'll go with John MacArthur. No way! No way! Hold on. Uh, but he also kicks butt. Um, Not to say John MacArthur doesn't kick butt. Jeff Durbin should be Jeff Iron Man. Durbin? Oh, Iron Man. I okay. I can see that way more. Yeah, we'll put Jeff Durbin at Joe Iron Thorne. Man. Um, I'll come back to that one. Okay, the so Hulk. Jeff Dur- Durbin is Iron Man. Yeah. Let's okay. see, the Hulk. Martin Luther. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, Martin Luther's a great Martin one. Martin Luther's a good one for that. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Uh, all right, Thor. Uh-huh. Thor. Um, what do I even know about Thor? It's like the king of the All Meridians or something. Wow. Hold on. No. <laughs> I'm not As- a nerd, the man. The Asgardians. The Asgardians. First of all, and he's not okay, the king yet. Close. He's the son of the king. Whatever. He's the... God of Thunder. He brings the hammer. Who else brings the hammer? Vodi brings the hammer. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Actually, no. Vodi would be Nightwing, obviously. Nightwing. Yeah. Nightwing the... is not an Wait, Avenger. Who's the guy? Nightwing is Dick Grayson, the first Robin oh. who grows up who am I thinking and of? leaves Bruce Wayne. Never mind. Okay. Um, Are you thinking of Falcon? I don't know. I really don't know. This is a bad question. All right. Who else is in it? Uh, Captain America. I got to get back to that. James White. James White is Captain America. James White is Captain America. Because he stands for truth, justice, and, well, not the, really American the American way. way. Who's a statist? Who's a... Dude, I think... Who's okay, a statist? I don't want to say statist, but I was thinking Matt Chandler is Captain America. Mm. Kind of like a good old boy. Everyone likes yes. him. That's excellent. Hey, come on. You're doing this for me. See, this is this is a you question, not a me question. Uh, who else is there? We Have we done the whole Martin Luther? Um, Unless you want to change it. Who's the arrow guy? 
Hawkeye. 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 Hmm. I don't remember anything about his character. Was he funny? He was a little funny. Because hmm. I was going to go with Paul Washer because they kind of look the same. No, they don't. They what are you talking do. about? Yes, they do. It's ridiculous. Whatever. I don't know. Do I have to finish this? Yes. <laughs> You're making fun of my thing. I, I don't I, even know. This would be fun. I don't even know. I don't even know, man. We still have Thor. 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 I could see Thor being a Joe Thorne, honestly. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, if Thor smoked cigars and was short and bald. So, they're just alike. <laughs> <laughs> they're similar in personality. I Are think. they? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, am I missing people? Who have I not answered? I mean, well, that was the main four. But if you want to keep going, like... Who else is there? Uh, Natasha Romanoff, the uh, Scarlet... Well, who am I going to pick for that? Joyce? No. <sighs> Summer White? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't really know many female theologians. I think it doesn't have to be a female. It's 2017, man. Luther's wife? <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Uh, anybody else other than her that I'm missing? I don't think you did Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. Or Falcon. Or Scarlet Witch. Which one's Falcon? Or the Vision. Falcon, he's the black... Who the heck is the Vision? Oh, that's the one chick that was crazy. No. Like the red around her. That's Scarlet Witch. Oh. Are you serious? Dude, I seriously don't know. We've seen these movies together. Yeah, I've seen them all like once. Oh my word. No, Like, whatever. <sighs> Who cares? <laughs> wow. <laughs> other things to do, man. I shouldn't... You watch sports. Yeah, sports are awesome. The Avengers are awesome. Sports are community building. The Avengers are community building and they save lives. Uh, sports build discipline and teamwork and cheating and steroids and wife beaters yeah actually yeah. I made a really hilarious joke about that today but I'll keep it to myself good it's cool. good idea yep. but you've officially made this game suck I'm sorry okay so I don't know thanks for that I don't know um, I know never to do this again well if you'd give me a heads up I could think about it a little bit cause, like, but I that know... takes the fun out of the game but I just don't know at least I would have a reason for why I would oh pick who I pick goodness this is stupid yeah this is stupid <laughs> Thanks. Okay, let's get back to the regular principle. Man, that was a flop. That was worse. Worst than, game ever. That was worse than James White playing Would You Rather on the pub. No, because you actually played this. He wouldn't play it. Uh, yeah, suck it, James. Okay, so I think it would be important for us to talk about um, worship and the New Testament um, contrasted to the Old Testament okay. because things are obviously not the same. So... <laughs> Let's start with what changes from Old Testament worship to New Testament worship. Yeah, um, the ceremonial law, like we're not doing sacrifices anymore. When we have a perfect sacrifice in Christ. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Um, tabernacle worship isn't a thing anymore. Um, so we're not like required to meet in a spe specific place. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're, you're tapping. Sorry. See, it's your fault. It's sorry, your sorry. fault. That we there's... were arguing over who was making the tapping noises in the last one. It was me, apparently. Um, what else has changed? So could you say Obviously, that the whole ceremonial law has been a done away with? The whole ceremonial law? The whole law? ceremonial law. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what I said off the... You said the sacrificial. No, I said the ceremonial. I don't go know back about and listen, that. Dummy. You, you go back and listen. <laughs> I will. I know and you if will. I, and if it's wrong, I'm going to edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> that on too. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, so things obviously have changed. Um, I think it's important. Let's talk about John chapter four. I think maybe we can camp out there for a second. Um, what 
what's the whole story behind John chapter 4? I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, woman, Dr. Nicodemus. Woman at the well. Woman at the well. Come on, you know this. Yeah, well, okay. So I know the story of the woman in the well. Okay. I didn't know sure. it Fair was enough. John chapter 4. All right, John chapter 4, woman at the well. Give, yeah. me, give me the story. So the woman at the well comes up, talks to Jesus, and um, she's asking him, where's the right place to worship? The Jews say worship on this mountain, and um, the Samaritans say worship on this mountain, you know, kind of thing. So where's the right, right place to worship? And Jesus says that um, that Jews got it right, uh, but the time is coming when everyone will worship me in both spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the gist of it. Um, do you want to get deeper into that? Obviously. Yeah, I mean, well, let's... Uh... Let's first of all, I think it might be good to know um, the difference between a Jew and a Samaritan. So um, the Samaritans were basically half-blood Jews, where when the Babylonians came in or the Persians came in and they they conquered Israel, um, they sent some of their people in and they took some of the Israelites out. So the Persians, Babylonians, whichever one it was, I can't recall, you know, they would get married, they'd, they'd breed, they'd intermingle, and they'd have these half-Jews. And so those are known as the Samaritans. And so these Samaritans worship on, they have their temple on Mount Gerizim, <clears throat> and the Jews have their temple on Mount Zion, where Solomon constructed it. So that, that's the difference between the, the Jews and the Samaritans. So there's obviously bad blood between the Jews and Samaritans because the Jews, like you, are only half-breeds, right? You're, you're dogs. Um, so... It's also, I mean, I don't know how um, helpful this is, but I think it's really interesting. Mount Gerizim, if you go back to the Old Testament, um, there's a passage in Deuteronomy where Moses is telling the people, once you guys get into the promised land, once you guys are conquering people, half of you are to go to this Mount Gerizim and the other Mount Ebal. So Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, they're big mountains. They're right next to each other. They're They're within shouting distance. Okay, so... Half the people would go on Gerizim, half the people would go on Mount Ebal. So the people on Mount Ebal, they would shout out the blessings of God. So, you know, if we follow God's law, if we do this, God will bless us. And then um, the people on Mount Gerizim would respond and they would say, you know, curse us if we don't do it. You know, damn us if we don't do it, essentially. So they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and then in Joshua, when we see that Joshua's taking over and he conquers AI and everything, they take, you know, a hiatus from their conquest and they go to these two mountains and they do these things. So, um, all that to say, when you look at the, the woman at the well and you look at the, uh, temple of the Samaritans, it's on the Mount of cursing, hmm. which is, I mean, that in and of itself to me would be an indicator. This is probably not a good idea. <laughs> Right, so you've got you've got these two things, and this woman she comes up to Jesus and she's asking him a question because Jesus has just called out her sin for right. being a fornicator right. and for uh, presumably cheating on five husbands, and now she's right. sleeping with a man who's not her husband. And so she tries to change the subject. It's like, oh, you're a religious guy, right? Let's talk about religion, something that you're interested in. And hopefully, that will get your focus off of me. So she says, "We worship this mountain. You worship at this mountain. Which one is right?" Okay. And Jesus doesn't say, well, whatever. You know, God didn't say not to put the temple on Gerasim. Right. No, God said put the temple on Zion. And so he says, well, one is right, one is wrong. You guys are the wrong ones. The Jews are the right ones. Right. But a day is coming when neither one of us will be worshiping on either one of those mountains. 
Right. Right. So he's saying there's a day coming when worship is going to be completely changed. Yeah. Okay. We're no longer going to do anything in the ceremonial law like you said earlier. Right. There's no sacrifices. There's no incense. There's no altars. There's no mercy seat. There's no day of atonement. Things are changing. And the day has almost arrived. And he says, I'm the one who's going to change all that. Right. So we see um, as we continue to read throughout the book of John um, and Christ's death on the cross, he does away with all that. So once Christ dies, it's the moment that he dies, the curtain that separates the Holy of Holies to um, the rest of the temple gets ripped in two. Right. Right. Top to bottom. And this, I mean, this, again, read Exodus. This curtain is huge. It's like yeah. five feet thick. Right. Yeah. Not human hands. It's like 20 feet tall. So that's a really tall ladder to go up there and cut it. So it's symbolizing that the, the, the temple, you know, is now open. So, it's not just the high priest that now comes in because right. Jesus, our high priest, has paid that sacrifice. Right. So some people like to say the temple now, you know, that symbolizes that anybody can come into the temple. I think more accurately it, it has more to do with God going out to all the people. And you see the Holy Spirit being poured out later on in the book of Acts. So I, I think that's more accurate. But you see Jesus completely and totally doing away with the old form of worship. Yeah. So the question now for us is, what does worship look like now? Right. Is the regular principle still in place? Um, right. and, I, and I would say yes. So I would say the, the worship has changed. What hasn't changed is the character of God. Right. You know, God is unchangeable. Right. So what does worship look like now? That's the question we have to answer. Yeah. So what, that's the question I pose. I've been talking a lot. I need to drink coffee. Yeah, no, coffee. I mean... Um, Obviously, there's there's prescriptive texts about the public reading of scripture, mm -hmm. the expounding upon scripture, so the, the preaching of sermons, um, you know, corporate worship and singing psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms, or psalms, 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 however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we have those elements. Uh, public prayer, so we're, we're praying, or corporate prayer, we're praying uh, as a church. Um, what am I missing? I think there's one other thing that I'm missing. Um, yeah. Uh, do you think that temple worship is done away with? Uh, as in, like, you have to worship in a particular place? I'm just, I'm I mean, just, yeah. I'm I, just asking you, is the temple worship done away with? Yeah, I think it's so, done away with. I don't think so. You don't think so? Uh-uh. Uh, you can't explain yourself. Because <laughs> we the temple. Okay. Because we the oh, temple. Trick question. Right. I know. It's, I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, tri I'm tricky. So, uh, what I mean by that I didn't is... ask you to clarify. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. I, I don't, whatever. I'm not good at nuancing, apparently. Yeah, apparently you know, we, We've seen that. Cool. Um, but yeah, we're the temple. We see that in First Peter. We see that in Ephesians 4, where uh, we're, we're the brick and mortar of the temple. Right. We, we measure ourselves to the cornerstone of Christ, right. who, who is you know, the cornerstone of the temple. Go, go read First Peter. Um, All start, of it. Start in, start in chapter 1, because it adds context. Yes. But chapter 2 is where he's talking about being built up together as a... Um, as a temple, living stones, that kind of thing. So, yeah, really helpful. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, anyways, you were talking about the elements of worship today. And I think we see that explicitly in uh, Acts 2. So, this is after Jesus is a, um, he rises again. Uh, he hangs out with them for, you know, 40 some days or whatever. And then he says to them, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going away. I'm going to ascend. But, the Spirit is coming after me. The Spirit's going to proclaim my truth. Um, he's going to give you power. He's going to give you authority. You're going to go to Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. So we see Jesus rising, uh, or ascending rather. Then we see um, the Holy Spirit coming in like a rushing wind. And 
he, you, you go from the apostles who are hiding in an upper room to going out and proclaiming the truth of, of Christ and proclaiming his death, resurrection, burial, resurrection, um, ascension, um, the gospel, apparently, you know, basically. And you see 3,000 people come to him. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 42, you see the apostles um, and the disciples, again, kind of just hanging out. And this is what it says. It says, and they devoted themselves, the Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and of prayers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are the elements of worship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the reformers called them the means of grace, word, prayer, and sacrament. Yeah. So these are the things that God... That's where it was. That was the thing I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Ordinances or sacraments. Right, or right, right, Whatever. Um, they basically mean the same thing. Right. One, one just is a little scared to use the word sacrament. Yeah, it's cool. Um, word, prayer, and sacrament. So um, scripture, uh, prayer is self-explanatory, and sacraments would be um, Lord's Supper and baptism. Right. Okay? So those are the three things that God has told us that in New Covenant worship, New Testament worship... That's what we're to do. Yep. Okay, so again, his character hasn't changed. So those are the three things we have to limit ourselves to based on the, the scripture. Yeah, but it, it, and it doesn't mean that um, just because the way that we worship is different now, it doesn't mean that you can go in and start throwing your own things around. Like Matthew 15, 7 through 9 says, You hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching mm-hmm. as doctrines the commandments of men, mm-hmm. right? So we've seen that in, in the Catholic Church and um, other places as well, where you're, you're putting doctrines on people, um, you're putting this yoke around their neck, but it's just the teaching of men, it's a tradition, it's not something that God has spelled out in Scripture right. for you, us to worship Him. You, you kind of have two authorities, right? Right. So Catholicism is easy to point to, you know, they've got um, Scripture as an authority and tradition as an authority. Right. Um, but Protestants are not really that different. Okay, you look at the Charismatics. You've got right. Scripture as their authority and feelings as their authority. Right. Yep. Um, and then even Evangelicals. Yeah. We've, we've got Scripture as an authority and whatever feels good. Right. Oh, oh, pragmatism. Right. Right. So whatever gets people in, whatever makes us feel good and warm and fuzzy, that, that's that's what we'll do, and that's what yep. our authority is. Yep. So. Uh, and I, I reject all of those. Right. Our, our authority is in Scripture alone, and that is the only thing that has that has any place in corporate worship today. Yeah. So um, let's talk about applications in New Covenant worship now. Sure. Um, and this may be a little more controversial, but you know how how are what are some ways that maybe you think the church has gone outside of the regular principle, and what are some things that we really need to limit ourselves? Yeah. With. Yeah, um, there are several things that come to the front of my mind, um, and as I was thinking about these things, I was I was uh, reminded of some of a quote that I read in this book where it asked the question, Which book? like, uh, regulative principle of worship explained and applied by Daniel Ritchie, um, but he basically asked the questions, is God sovereign Lord of all? Is his revealed will to be accepted as infallible guide of human conduct? Has he the right to rule his own house? Has he the right to de- how has he the right to prescribe the way in which he may be approached and worshipped? And I was like, yes, God does have the right to do all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just making the case that like, yeah, we can't really go off on our own and start inventing um, ways to worship. So I start thinking about things like um, uh, like interpretive dances mm-hmm. or dramas. Um, sometimes like 
special music is what churches will call it, like, like little solo things or whatever. Um, those are those are all areas. Um, I think I've fallen into um, inclusive psalmody is where I'm at now. I used to not be anything, but um, you do have the prescription in Colossians, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms. There's a couple mm-hmm. places in Matthew that Just talk about singing qu- psalms. Just quickly, um, I don't want to assume anything about our listeners, but what does inclusive psalmody mean? Uh, it means that in your corporate singing that you include the singing of psalms. Mm-hmm. So there's an exclusive psalmody where you just do nothing but psalms. There's um, no psalmody where you just do contemporary is, worship or hymns or something mm-hmm. like that. And then inclusive is would be a mix of some. And, yeah, like I said, there's a... I, I don't have a firm footing on this um, necessarily at the moment, but it's just something I've been working through. And I'm like, well, it's been prescribed to do it, and mm-hmm. no churches hardly are doing it. Mm-hmm. So why are we not doing it? Right. Um, you know, And it's not that it was prescribed in the Old Testament, because at that point you could say, well, maybe there's a New Testament freedom here. But since it's prescribed in the New Testament, I'm kind of like, well, why aren't we doing this kind of thing? So um, those are some of the things that come to the front of my mind. There were more that I was thinking of earlier but anyway what do you think about skits yeah same thing yeah. dramas mm-hmm. of, put that under. no bueno yeah, yeah. so um, <clears throat> if I don't say this I'm going to get kicked in the butt by my uh, RP friends who listen to this um, I am an exclusive psalmist mm-hmm. I, the regular principle demands and prescribes that we sing psalms exclusively so only psalms so and, and I don't want to be super harsh about this, but there is no room uh, within corporate worship to have anything other than psalms sung. I, I don't think there's any room. So when we, when we think about text, we look at Colossians 3.16, which says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in the heart. Right. And Ephesians 4.19 says addressing one another in psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing making melody to the lord with your heart so um a couple things we have um singing prescribed in public worship so that's that is an element of worship when we when we look at the means of grace we see word prayer and sacrament so the psalms fall under the word part you do not see um when you, when you think of um uninspired hymns i uh, think of like a hymnal those are not, um, that's not scripture. When you see spiritual songs, you know, think CCM, contemporary Christian music, that's not scripture. So the question then is, well, what does this mean then when it says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Because it seems to be giving three categories. Hmm. So you have the psalms, you have hymns, we have those, and we have spiritual songs, so we can look at those as contemporary Christian. Right. And I would offer this, um, just this pebble in your shoe, to think about you and anybody well, listening to I'll this. Look up, I mean, I'll look up the Greek words for you if you want, because I, mean, I, 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 I would support you on this. You can. So the when, when people read this and they say, okay, here are three categories of types of songs that we can sing, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, um, we've got all three, so all three are permissible. And I would say, is it possible that you are reading this text within your contemporary culture? Right. Um, within the way you are experiencing things. I would ask you, instead of doing that, <clears throat> and this is, I mean, this is Hermeneutics 101, you have to read scripture in light of the authorial intent. So what did Paul mean when he wrote these things, right? And we have to think, what were Paul's sources when he was studying the scriptures? He had the Greek Septuagint. 
And in the Greek Septuagint, the uh, Psalter, the Book of Psalms, is divided up into different books. And <clears throat> I mean, that's even even in our uh, yeah. Bible today. There's there's multiple books in the Psalms. So you got book right. one, book two, blah blah blah. But in these subscriptions, you've got this is a psalm, this is a hymn, this is a spiritual song. So this is not something that it that was added by scribes um, later on, like our uh, verse and chapter divisions. Right. But this these are these are like subheadings of particular psalms. Yeah. So you have a psalm that's a hymn, a, a psalm that's a spiritual song, or, or a psalm that's a psalm. So um, this falls under the word and. It, Colossians 3.16 is incredibly important when we read it because it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So it doesn't say, let the words of men. Right. It says, let the words of Christ. And in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh. Yeah. The logos. He was crucial in the inspiration of scripture and the writing of it and the inspiring of it. So the Psalms are inspired of Christ. The Psalms are the words of Christ. Yeah. And and I would make no qualms on that, too, because I think that when you read that in the context to which Paul was writing, when they read Psalms, uh, yeah, what is it? Like Psalmio or Telhiliomo or whatever, Humanos. Obviously, I don't speak Greek. Um, but those three things, those those three Psalms, words. Psalmos, Odes, and Maybe I don't know either. Yeah, but those Sorry. those three words are are used in the book of Psalms to describe certain psalms. So the the audience that's reading this, um, I truly believe, is reading Psalms, Psalms, and Psalms, just different parts of the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't make a quorum there. The, where 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 I'm trying to be careful is I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater um, for a couple different reasons. One, I think. I think there might be, and I don't have any biblical grounding for this as of now, but I think there might be some some room in the New Testament and the New Covenant uh, for there to be freedom in that, um, to where the songs that sing biblical truth um, would be considered word, right? So you're you're singing songs that um, you know come straight from Revelation, like "Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty," whatever. Like that's that's singing a truth. It's not a psalm, but it's singing scripture. Um, and I don't know if there's any any room for that or not yet. I just don't want to jump on the boat and say like, ah, excuse me, somebody all of a sudden, because um, I want to be careful about that. But I do think there's a pretty pretty good case out there um, for those who do psalms. Uh, but that's why I'm at least thinking I'm a, I'm, a, I'm inclusive at the moment. Um, still still wrestling through that and still think there might be grace on that. And a big thing, honestly, is an appeal to authority <laughs> because some of the people I I love and trust the most. Um, you know, are not exclusive psalmists, you know, like mm-hmm. James White's not, um, Joe Thorne's not, like a lot of these people that you would think like, wow, they, they've studied this stuff, are not. So I know there's another case out there, I just don't know exactly what it is, and I want to know what it is before I start throwing things out, so, anyway. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I guess I would just ask, and you don't have to answer this, but <laughs> following the regular principle that we only do what God tells us to do, and God has only told us to sing psalms. It does not follow them that it says, okay, well, maybe if it's other biblical truth. Well, see, because... It's, it's, it's only psalms. But the application is hard at times. Like, there are a lot of people um, that are exclusive psalmists that can't agree on whether or not instruments should be used. Um, is it a circumstance of worship or is it an element of worship? Like, that's something that um, a lot of people are on the fence about like and there's arguments on both sides so like i don't but know that that, that doesn't it, mean, i don't know that the application is always as clear cut that doesn't mean that one is or that they're both it. right so 
even even with what what you said earlier well what about you know looking at things from revelation holy 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 or the songs of moses or Miriam or whatever right it, it it seems that the question is not should we use hymns or contemporary music but should we only use the bible that right. seems to be where you're at yeah pretty much honestly i mean like would, would you sing something outside of the bible no <laughs> exactly i mean you're not going to start singing like a whatever a Katy Perry song in church I mean mm -hmm. that's that I, obviously well I mean I don't I don't I mean I don't want to insult people because there are there no, are really nice hymns like don't don't yeah. hear that and be like well that's what you think you do it's not but it just it, it seems very uh, clear cut let the words of Christ dwell in you rich you yeah like songs hymns and spiritual songs and there are which more are all which like you said are all psalms um, not holy 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 in, in the book of Revelation not which you know who knows we may sing those someday right well um, i mean angels were singing psalms that weren't our songs that weren't psalms so i'm kind of curious as to what um eternity worship will look yeah. like but mm -hmm. i don't know if that's necessarily a prescription for us to be able to or a description for right. us to be able to use those things but i mean there's there's a lot to be said about seeing the psalms um, as a way to maintain pure worship um, because there's a lot of contemporary christian music out there that is uh can be heretical or just bad theology sometimes mm -hmm. you know i don't want to demonize all of it because some of it's really good um, but i think that if it's doctrinally and biblically sound there may be room for it i'm just not i'm just not sure on that point yet yeah but anyway I, and i want to so there's <laughs> there's a lot more that could be said about this so adam alluded to to instruments so i don't think instruments have any place in worship um and the the very brief and i'm going to keep it brief um you guys can keep uh, studying yourselves but the brief argument is instruments were exclusively part of the ceremonial law. Only priests were the ones who were allowed to use the instruments. The ceremonial law has been done away with in Christ. There are no more priests from the line of Aaron. We're all a royal priesthood. So instruments, being a part of the ceremonial law, are now done away with. Yeah. So, And I know people are like, oh, I don't agree with that. And that's, that's okay. There, I think there's room for discussion. But we're, we're running out of time, so uh, I just want to keep going. When it comes to worship, I really want everyone who's listening to consider the beauty of singing God's word back to him. So he's given us the Psalter to be sung, right? There's really no question about that. Um, and these words are beautiful. It contains every single human emotion that can ever be experienced. And it's given to us by God to be able to relate back to him. Okay, it's not contrived emotion that we can often get from hearing music. Okay, this this is God-inspired emotion that we feel, and that God gives us permission and commands us to even sing it back to Him. So you've got psalms that are praiseworthy; they're joyous and they're happy, and then you've got songs that are very lamentful, and they're they're there's psalms that you just want to cry when you're crying out to the Lord through them. There's there's uh, imprecatory psalms which call for the um, death of evil and those are appropriate um, there, there's all types of psalms and then you, you might say well imprecatory ones are hard they're, sometimes, they're, they're difficult but God gives them to us and you, you're never going to see that in any type of Christian worship today it's all very happy it's all joyous it's all go lucky and I don't think that the evangelical church can handle lament today. I think you're absolutely right. And That's I, one of my big beefs. It's, it's a huge beef. And I honestly would contribute it to breaking away from singing psalms. Yeah. Not the only reason, but...
but that's one of them. It's because we've strayed from the word. It's because we've said we want to do our own thing. It's because we've become very pragmatic. It's because we've turned the church into a place of worship, into the place of primarily evangelism. And we talked about this last week, how evangelism can't take place in corporate worship, but that's not the primary purpose, purpose yeah. of church. The primary purpose is Absolutely. the worship of God. Absolutely. Um, do you have any other thoughts on that? Because I have a couple things I want to... Go ahead. Yeah, so... Um, in the first chapter of this this book I was reading, uh, the regulative principle explained and applied. Um, he he makes the case that um, part of the reason why we've gotten away from the regulative principle is because we don't trust in the sovereignty of God. And mm-hmm. I think that's true. He actually mm-hmm. he said something that made me laugh, and I was kind of like, "Yeah, hey, you're dumb." And then I kind of like kept reading, and I was like, "Okay, that makes sense." Um, but he said something that was like, "The normative principle of worship is equivalent to Arminian worship." Uh, because we don't trust in the sovereignty of God um, to save people. We don't trust in the sovereignty of God in the way that he has uh, prescribed worship to, um, to occur in his church. We, we don't trust that that's going to bring people into the church, so therefore we have to go our own way, start making up our own things, make it entertaining, make it spectacular, make it fun and energetic and whatever. That way we can draw people into the church, and then hopefully maybe they'll hear something that they'll be saved. Um, but that's a really... Uh, I think that's a really flawed way to go about about it. We don't want to be a seeker-sensitive church. We want to be people that are truly there to worship and pour our hearts out before the Lord. Um, and becoming seeker-sensitive leads to all kinds of different issues. It's hard to mix entertainment with worship and that kind of thing. But I was sitting down with a friend of mine the other day who's um, walked away from the faith. And one of the, one of the statements that he made to me that was kind of shocking was, he's like, you know, in high school I was kind of, really um we were friends in high school i knew him really well since then but um he's like i I just i felt like i was really in and involved in the church and loved the lord and that kind of thing and i look back on it i just think that all of my experience was just like emotional he's like it really doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what the words say if the chord progressions right i'm gonna have this emotional experience Mm -hmm. and i think that's really led to a lot of people that are just not biblically grounded because they come to church to feel good and be entertained and excited um, because the word of God they deem is not exciting enough for them. Yep. Like, um, you know, I read a book by David Platt where he was talking about being in another country where people would walk miles to this little house where they sometimes have to meet with the lights off, that kind of thing, occasionally. And um, it's just very endangered and that kind of thing. And they sat on the ground and there was no air conditioning, but the word of God was enough for them. Um, and I'm like, is that enough for us? Or do we need the lights? Do we need the, the band? Do we need the whatever? Um, and I'm not saying that because uh, I'm not where Aaron is. I'm not. I'm not condemning instruments or um, hymns or whatever. But are we doing it in such a way that we're our our main motive is to bring people into the church and and entertain them, or are we doing it in a way that we really are trying to to pursue the Lord and worship the Lord? Yeah, I don't even. I don't even think it's necessarily just to um, bring people in because I know there's there's a lot of churches out there who are not secret sensitive and yet they do have an entertainment model yeah and they do have music and it and it seems to me that music has become the third sacrament of the Protestant church mm. where we have to have music in order to experience grace mm. in order to feel emotionally charged and that is absolutely wrong and I know these these are heavy things, and, and I'm 
I'm trying to I'm trying to be gracious. Um, so I'm gonna stop talking. Yeah. But well, I, I I love I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I don't think that not singing hymns or using musical instruments casts you out of Christianity. But I I will say that scripture calls us to a higher form of worship. And at the very least, it is worth you looking into. Yeah. Well, that's what I would say, too. And I don't know if you have anything else that you want to say, but um, my my final thoughts were um, along those lines where, personally, where I am, I don't know where you are on things, but like I don't want to use the regulative principle in a way that I'm coming to other churches and I'm like, wow, you guys are just doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're not worshiping the Lord, whatever. Because I think... Um, I don't think any church is perfect, regulative principle or not. I think God uses crooked sticks to make crooked sticks to make straight lines, um, and so it's not necessarily a call to repentance. But if you're aware of what's going on, or if you're too lazy to look into this, then um, you do need to repent of that. Um, and if you're at a church that that sings hymns, sing with all your heart to the Lord, um, but look into things. You know, um, if you're at a church that does solo music or dramas or whatever. Um, look into these things. I think the worship of God is really important, and it's 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 up to Him. It's His church. Um, it's for Him, and it's also for you. I mean, it's for it's for your good too. So, okay, yeah. Joel Osteen's wife. Worship what? is for you. Oh, it's gosh, not that's not all it's what I was saying. You. <laughs> obviously, God loves it you're happy. I, I I mean, Adam and I have different perspectives. I do not think that you would say the same thing about those in the Old Testament who are worshiping in the high places. Sure. Saying, hey, it's okay, you don't need to repent of this. I think that if we are not worshiping God, we're in, or like correctly, we're in sin, and we need to repent of that. And that, and I'm not just saying people who don't sing psalms, because I think there are people who sing psalms, and um, we are in sin when we do it. Yeah. What, whether there's arrogance about it, um, whether we're not even paying attention. There's all types of things. So... If we're ever in sin, we have to repent. Well, absolutely. Yeah, and and you're right about that. I guess where I was trying to come from on this is we can't use the regulative principle of worship to um, put ourselves on a pedestal in haughty places and condemn everybody else um, no. for the way that they're worshiping. It doesn't mean that the responsibility is not on you to study these things out and, and worship God the way that um, Scripture prescribes, but... Um, yeah, there is a danger as well in, in a haughty spirit and saying, like, yeah. we got it all figured out because there's a lot of people that think they have it figured out. And I don't know. Maybe this is just because I'm kind of like shifting around all over the place mm -hmm. right now um, on where I stand on things. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I just don't want to throw anybody under the bus at the moment. So, sure. So, this, this will be my final thought um, before we end this topic and, and close this puppy out. And then you can, if you have anything else to say, go ahead. I think the irony of the regular principle is that it sounds um, restricting, but it's actually incredibly freeing. Because what the regular principle of do does, rather, is it restricts us to very simple worship, but it frees us from trying to impress. It frees us from trying to entertain. It, it, it frees us from the sacrificial system. It's very simple. It's very easy. Um, it's it's very wonderful. So, and and I mean, I guess that's the irony of because it's regulated, but it's so freeing. 
and it's so wonderful. And when you start singing the Psalms, it, I know emotions are, are <laughs> very high, but if you're an emotional person, sing the Psalms. <laughs> sing the Psalms. That, that's, that's my two cents. Cool. Okay. Do you have any church history? Or? We got a little bit of church history here. All Some right. uh, funky town. I don't even know what we call it anymore. We don't call it anything. We call it church history. Let's call it church history for dummies. We're getting worse. <laughs> worse. Okay. Well, this is what I got. Okay. So John Knox. Yeah. What a boss. Yeah. All right. John Knox started out as a bodyguard for a man named George Wishart. Okay. And George Wishart was the first reformer in Scotland, basically. So, obviously, George Wishart was sought after to be killed by the Catholics because he was speaking heresy to them, and um, Knox was, you know, his bodyguard. And through protecting Wishart, he kind of was converted and brought into Reformed theology and blah, 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 blah. So, anyways, George Wishart ends up being killed and burned at the stake. Now, this is not, well, Cal or Knox is guarding him, so his conscience is clear on that, I guess. But people get so upset that George Wishart dies, they invade the castle of the man who had him condemned to death, and they threw him out the window. They killed him. They take over this castle. And so they call for Knox. They're like, hey, look, man, we need a chaplain. Would you come and do this for us? And Knox reluctantly agrees. Um, and then he preaches his first sermon, and he basically runs away bawling like a child because he was so nervous about it. I mean, this is, this is John freaking Knox, huge guy. Oh, gosh. So anyways, they've got this castle, and it's right on um, the ocean. So the French come, and they block him in from the land, and then they block him into the sea, and they starve him out, and they capture him. Okay, so then Knox um, gets spared death, but he gets thrown onto a galley slave, or ship, and he's a galley slave, so he's rolling and all that stuff, and that's basically prolonged death, right? So the French, used, they would mock them, the Protestants, they had um, like a wooden board that kind of had the shape of Mary on it. So they would come up and they would mock the, the slaves and they'd say, kiss Mary, kiss Mary, do it. And so these guys would do it. And so they were starting to beat Knox, like kiss him, he wouldn't do it, beat him some more, kiss her. So he grabs the board, he takes it, and he chucks it off the ship. And he says, let her swim if she's so special. <laughs> and they never tried to make him do it again. So, throw the wood, y'all. All right. I, I guess, that's the application. Yeah, toss Toss Mary overboard. Toss Mary yeah. overboard, not my wife. Yeah, all right. But Okay, so that's uh, regular principle of worship. Thanks for uh, bearing with us through that, guys. Yeah, again, it. study it. So, like I said, we are on iTunes. Rate and review us, please. Now, listen. Listen, we need some reviews and we need some ratings because if you look at our podcast and you say, if you like Joe Schmo Theology, you might also like Mormons Are Us. Or JW is 101. So I don't know. I don't know how we're um, hanging out with those guys. I mean, maybe, maybe that's good. Um, maybe there's oh, some yeah. Mormons maybe who are listening to us. Maybe right there's some JWs listening to us. And I mean, we hope you are. We hope you um, repent and believe Jesus. Um, I don't apologize for that. That's the truth. That's what we're called to do repent and believe the gospel. Okay? The true gospel. Um, and Jesus, who is God. So review us, rate us. Share us on Facebook, and if you are upset and you want to talk to us, which I can imagine some people may be, I don't know, we're all ears, send us an email at joeschmotheology at gmail.com, like our Facebook page, um, comment on it, we're, we're down to talk, uh, we try and respond fairly quickly. Yeah, we've been pretty good about it. But yeah. We've only gotten like two 
two, two people commenting on it. Yeah. Right? We got 42, 43 likes, I think. Oh, yeah. We, Which, got, we got some likes this Yeah, week. we're doing okay. This is good. We need more people, though. We just need reviews, and we need you to, like, tell people about tell it. Tell people about us. Yeah. I mean, even if you're making fun of us, look at these two morons. Yeah, we are self-proclaimed Josh. We are so self-proclaimed Josh. We won't be offended. No okay. Worries. All right. So uh, remember, every Joe Schmo can grow some bows. Peace.